The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason grant Henriquez, and I'm with my Zen-like co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin. Hi, Dr. Benjamin. Hello, Jason, and hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Since the new year is right around the corner, we invited Dr. Ashwin Mehta, the medical director of Memorial's Division of Integrative Medicine, to discuss how our listeners can take a mindful approach to their new year resolutions. This is going to be a great show. Mindful approach. What does that mean? Exactly. Before we get to today's guest, we'll spend a few minutes during our coffee chat talking about, I love this one, get it, the effects parental favoritism has on siblings. Oh, we don't have favoritism. <laughs> no, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have favoritism. Can't wait to dive into that one. And really the sobering way, but good, useful information on how to cope with stress through mindfulness. And, you know, mindfulness may offer a coping mechanism, and we see this playing out a lot in medicine, where um, in the healthcare setting, it could potentially be an effective skill to reduce stress and emotion. This really plays out a lot, especially in my surgical practice. Okay. I try to offer children uh, a way in which they are not traumatized by having invasive or painful procedures done in the clinic setting. And so it's really important how we can engage the mind, even through counting and just being a part of the procedure. And I think it's going to be a lot of useful information we'll get from Dr. Mehta. A little hint of mind over matter over there. Okay. There's something actually called distraction anesthesia. So really, children won't even feel my needle or they won't even experience the pain just because they're watching an iPod or they're engaged with you or reading a book with their parent. And it's amazing the things I can accomplish on children. Well, I can't wait to get into all that. Before we move on, though, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back. Before we get to today's special guest, let's bring one of our producers, Bahati, with what's making news in the parenting world. Hi, Bahati. Hi, Jason and Hi. Dr. Benjamin. How are you both doing today? Great. Great. Hi, I'm feeling mindful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, later on in today's show, we will be talking about uh, mindfulness, a mindfulness approach to New Year's resolutions. And one of the coffee chats today, want to talk about how to cope with stress through mindfulness. So there was a study in JAMA, Internal Medicine, that looked at nearly 19,000 meditation studies and found that mindful meditation can ease stress, depression, and pain. Mindfulness meditation essentially is designed to increase a person's awareness and acceptance of daily experiences. And I'm sure our guest today, Dr. Ashwin Mehta, will go into detail as to how mindful meditation and mindfulness can really um, allow you to focus in on the present, the here and now. That's very interesting. It's interesting how um, it seems like, again, like I said, a mind over matter kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. how it seems to be important to slow down and to to take it all in and and be mindful. I don't know if we as... um, a species, <laughs> as a civilization, <laughs> right. take stock in, in, you know, slowing down with all the social medias and TVs, everything that's going on. So I'm very interested to find out how, how effective this is and um, 
how important it really is because I, I know I've taken it for granted. Right. I think a population that's really will help are those with anxiety, you know, people that have these distracting thoughts mm-hmm. and they're just rehearsing their troubles mm-hmm. over and over in their mind. Mm-hmm. And so if they could adopt these practices, perhaps their symptoms like hard to control worries, you know, poor sleep, irritability could be reversed. Definitely. I don't think many people realize that a variety of healthcare settings um, can be used to potentially um have effective skill for stress reduction, um, emotion and effect and attention regulation. So when we use mindfulness and this mindful meditation in the healthcare settings, when we have diseases or conditions, it really has been proven or is being proven to be extremely beneficial and effective way to kind of ease your anxiety, ease your ease all your, your feelings around your your disease and or condition. That's interesting. And, uh, Dr. Benjamin, would you then say maybe it might help with the healing process, being more mindful in meditation and slowing down? Yes, there's great data out there that people actually that have developed these mindful processes, they've learned how to heal better, especially post-surgical. So that's near and dear to my heart really? since I do a lot of pediatric surgeries. But that's great. And one thing that you have brilliantly done with your son with the attention, because getting attention from kids, I think it's going to be very important to our yes, listeners. absolutely. In this day and age with a lot of ADHD and children mm-hmm. that can't settle their minds, get off of the Internet, get off of social media and really quiet. Just take quiet. a moment, yes. Yeah. So, so we, I remember talking about this in another episode in terms of having that quiet time as we were in the holidays, New Year's, it was around, right around the corner, and it is important to kind of step back and maybe have some digital free time. <laughs> What's oh, that? I know, Oh, right? oh you mean exactly. the, the, the locking up our phones <laughs> yes. and just throwing it in? Okay, McDonald's. I got you, I got you. Right. right, it is important. I mean, it's an important part of, I think, our daily um, commitment to ourselves to ourselves to stay relaxed, focused, and remember what's most important in life. Think slow down and enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll adopt that for a New Year's resolution. I think Slowing I will down too. And enjoy the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Stopping and smelling the roses. And the holidays go by so quickly. I know. Right? So here's the hustle and bustle of getting gifts and attending parties and making meals for families. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it's over. It's I can't all believe. Over. What we're time of year we're already here? It, it may be over, but then the receipts come in, the bills start coming in. So it's never you, over. You, exactly. You have another level after that. The smiles are done. And it comes. You know, that's that's what mindfulness really matters. Exactly. <laughs> when the stress hits. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so the other topic I want to talk about today, um, as you mentioned, the effects parental favoritism <clears throat> has on younger oh, siblings. And I'm sure me. a lot of our listeners, perhaps even our co-hosts, uh, can <laughs> I, I, no, relate no, 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 the one no, no, that's no, topic. Just clearing my throat. You know, I, I want to get that nice bass going. So. so a recent study from Brigham Young University's School of Family Life found when children perceive they're favored by their parents, this could affect the child-parent relationship, specifically when the younger child feels like they're the favorite and the parent actually agrees that, yes, that is my favorite child, <laughs> their relationship <laughs> is strengthened. That's not a shocker. Of course. Um, the opposite, unfortunately, is true, however, if they don't feel like they're the favorite. And again, this is the younger sibling and the parents agree, no, that's not my favorite child. I love them, but that's not my favorite. The relationship... Who says that? You know, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> the relationship can weaken. Now, the interesting thing in this study, they found the older siblings, whether they feel favored or not, has no major impact on the relationship that they have with their parents. 
with the parents, but I right. would argue to say the, that older siblings do have a positive impact where they can grow up feeling very confident with yes. this can-do attitude, because yes. I'm an example of one of those, <laughs> so you want to hear my bias, but really, as a firstborn, you're not doing this, you know, social comparison with your siblings, mm-hmm. you know, you never really hear as a firstborn, why can't you be more like your younger brother, Yeah, right? <laughs> the flip true. is always true. Yes. Very, very true. Yes. And then so. as parents, you know, there's, 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 I think, is, a, is it a Huggies commercial, or sorry, it's a Pampers commercial that... Um, it says first child and you're doing everything spot on and then the next child you're kind of just like oh cool you know we're good to go so yeah the, the, that extra attention um, for the firstborn is there mm. so it does help promote the you know the, the confidence the building confidence. of course my middle child right in my my this the series of the three of us I'm the eldest and she's always to this day uh-huh. still saying you know oh my gosh you got everything to oh. the point where mom taught you how to kneel down and fold your hands at the bedside for <laughs> prayers like who does that oh, that's gosh. so ridiculous she's like trying to make it absurd the no amount of way. attention to the firstborn exactly. Good, right? yeah, That's a good segue uh, into another study that was in the Journal of Marriage and Family, and it looked at the long-term effects of parental favoritism. So obviously, um, when siblings sensed that their mom consistently favored or rejected one child over the other, they were more likely to exhibit signs of depression in middle age. Mm. So, so they take it to adulthood. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. It can in, extend into adulthood. Makes our Christmas parties and holiday li- parties oh, fun. Oh, my gosh. Good discussion. Because it all comes out. Yep. <laughs> Too much eggnog. Thankfully, right. my middle sister is not depressed, but yes. <laughs> um, it is interesting. I mean, an unfavorite child can suffer the most after leaving home, depression, weakened self-esteem, or a chronic need to feel special because they weren't raised to feel special. So they'll seek out the attention, even if it's from a negative source. Right. Or right, making fun right. of the older one or mm-hmm. at the dinner table. There we go. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Get attention that way. There's a sure. story there, Dr. Benjamin. <laughs> okay. I'm not divulged. I will keep quiet. <laughs> and so as you're referring to, Dr. Benjamin, sibling relationships obviously can be very strained and resentment can um, occur from favoritism. So it's really something to be mindful of. Very mindful of. Uh, to parents, to be mindful of. It's, it, I'm not a parent. I don't think my parents favored me or my brother, but it's uh-huh. definitely something that you should be mindful of. One Very suggestion true. I would have for parents, though, especially when you say that, mm. really saying it verbally mm. implanted something in our head. So there's three of us girls, and I distinctively, I think we all do remember my mom saying that, you know, I love you all equally. So whether, I mean, obviously we all get treated differently because we're different folks with different needs. So there's nothing wrong with that, but she makes it very clear that the fairness, the attention, the support is equal. Yes. And I think if parents verbalize that, even though we're humans and you're going to do different things with your, with a different child, just stating that, at least that's your intent, Mm -hmm. resonates and sticks. And maybe that's why we really don't fight at the dinner table. My sister's right. not clinically depressed, but you know what I'm saying? Right. But I think it really has made a difference in our home where there is minimal sibling rivalry and resentment mm. where there was a perfect setup for that. Mm-hmm. But just the parents constantly reinforcing that that's their thing, that they love us all the same. Mm-hmm. Right. And for, mm-hmm. pati- uh, for parents to uh, be mindful of nonverbal, verbal, and then yes. uh, certain clues where your child may not be say- saying that they feel you know mistreated, but then they're showing it. Now, in, in my case, you know, I have two boys. They're back-to-back. Right. And um, I, I went through a moment where 
you know, I favored my clone a little bit. I, I knew this internally, though. I Should knew I this. ask which one is your okay. clone? Is it the first or the second? It's the younger one. Oh, oh okay. you admitted it? Okay, it was younger. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. He can listen what, to this, this one, Dave. No, okay. You know he has his own account, right? Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> he, he, does. he could he be does. listening to this. He does. And, and, and to the point where, where um, there was, there was a, a brief moment in time when I would say to myself, you know, I, I, I love my older son. I just don't like him very much. And I would say this, you know, and only to myself because he was he was going through a moment where his frustration and I understood what, what was happening, but I didn't realize that that little mantra I would say to myself, you know, or to, and it was beginning to play out of my behavior to the point where my younger son got confident to say, "Well, I'm dad's favorite." I've never said that out loud. You know, and, wow. and you know, not necessarily true either. So when I started noticing that, I said, "You know, Joy, that's not nice." And then I as a parent, as a father said, "You know what? Something's got to change." I need some more quality time with my older son. Yes. And I made sure that we, you know, we spent an hour independent together to find that love and feeling again. Yes. Corrected in a couple of months. Awesome. Good to go. We've been, now he just won't leave my bed when we sleep at night. So <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> but so, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. Story, that it's definitely that you want to be mindful of your behaviors because even though you're not saying it, mm-hmm. you could be projecting it. Uh, and you don't even know it, and that's that's my that's my mindful story for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. So the take-home note, parents, is you may not be treating your kids equally, but definitely treat them fairly. Exactly. Great discussion, guys. Well, thank you so much, Bahati. For eight years, thousands have been united by one cause: to support Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital at its annual Tour de Broward event. Funds benefit the entire hospital. You can ride, run, walk, have fun with your family in the Power of Play Kids Zone, or simply donate to the 2018 Tour de Broward being held on February 25. Visit tourdebroward.com to register and help make a difference. Don't forget to follow Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome back. And thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Ashwin Mehta, the Medical Director for the Division of Integrative Medicine here. Welcome. Welcome, uh, welcome. We're glad thank you're you. here. Happy to be here. Great. So for our listeners, I'm sure you get this question all the time. Could you explain for us what is integrative medicine? So integrative medicine is really a lifestyle, behavioral, preventive wellness type of medicine. And we use all manner of evidence-based modalities, be they nutritional recommendations, exercise tips, uh, good sleep hygiene, and mindfulness meditation. We put all these together for our clients in order to maintain good health, and, and really prevent uh, chronic health conditions. And if anybody's dealing with any chronic health conditions, we offer them an individualized approach on how to customize a plan that helps them achieve their health and wellness goals. That's excellent. Well, today we're going to talk about using a mindful approach to our New Year's resolutions. Great. So first of all, I know we always talk about different types of meditations. We have the Eastern Meditative practices and we hear about traditional meditation. Tell us a little bit your definition or concept of mindful meditation. You know, mindfulness is kind of a broad category of techniques. Um, Mindfulness includes everything from breathing exercises, guided imagery, creative visualization, uh, you know, even certain devotional, uh, devotional practices and traditional forms of meditation, as you mentioned, some of the more Eastern traditions of meditation, uh, including transcendental meditation and such. But, you know, the real goal here is to carve out some time each day to be in the here and now, 
I mean, constantly our minds are thinking of what's coming up, what do we have to do? Well, you know, here comes here comes Black Friday coming up. Uh, well, look at the look at all these holiday parties we have to go to, or how many holiday parties we have to plan. Mm-hmm. You know, the holidays can be a real stressful time. So, you know, and our minds are auto- are oftentimes racing to what's coming up or what's just happened. Mm-hmm. And, and very seldom do we take a little time out each day to be in the here and now and be okay with how things are in the present moment. And that's really the concept of meditation is, uh, another word for it is non-judgmental awareness. You know, who do we Ooh. judge most harshly? Ourselves. Ourselves, definitely. So, so the idea is really just to, to take a few deep breaths, to check in with our bodies and minds, see what's going on with us in any given time, and then, and then over, 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 over a sustained practice to gain some familiarity with techniques that we enjoy because you're not going to stick to something that you don't like to do. Right. Very right. true. So give us a picture. Is this something where we're sitting down? Is this a sitting practice? Is it something I can drive in my car and mentally count? Like, what exactly, is this? Give, you, give me a concrete Exactly. Because usually when you think of meditation, you know, see, people take a mockery of it. They, they ch- um, right. chant. How right. effective is uh, meditation when it comes to uh, what we're trying to be mindful. Well, you know, the science is pretty is pretty well established in this area. I mean, my, meditation is incredibly useful when it comes to strengthening the immune system, when it comes to um, you know resilience, being resilient after a traumatic episode. Um, of when Incus- it com- including surgery, I've read in- articles that's correct. about healing, post-surgical healing. That's correct. There was a study that was done that looked at um, the use of narcotic medication after surgery in people who meditated before surgery versus those who didn't. And what they found was that the meditators required less pain medication after the procedure compared to the non-meditators. How um, intriguing. It is. So, so, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, cons, the, the, the fundamental role of integrative medicine is to provide those edu- that education, the resources and tools mm-hmm. that people need to t- take a greater em- empowered approach to their own health. So we want to really engage our clientele to be proactive and preventive in, in, in developing their health strategies and following through on them. So Absolutely. meditation, um, you know, the science is pretty well established. And what it looks like is, is a daily practice. That really should be the goal. Um, not to beat ourselves up if we miss a day here or there, but, you know, the, the, real, the real crux of it is to find a technique that works for us, one that we enjoy, and to, and to set a time during the day. It's a consistent time, preferably in the morning time or in the evening time. So, you know, that's just matching up with our circadian rhythm, the night and day cycle. Usually our meditation is going to be enhanced if it's, if, it's at a, it's, if it's at the same time each day and if it's during one of those inflection points. So either when the sun's coming out or mm-hmm. when the sun's going down. And what it looks like is generally we do recommend a seated position because if we're not in a seated position, if we're in a lying down position, I don't know about you, but I'll I would go back fall to asleep. sleep. <laughs> yeah, I was say. Exactly. Right. So, you know, it's a very dignified posture because the idea is to keep the back straight. When the back is straight, um, we're all straightening up here. Yes, okay, yes we are. Good. Yes, we are. Okay, that's good. Lead by so, example. You know, um, it, and when the that back is quickly. straight, our breathing is better. And when our breathing is better, the quality of our meditation is going to be better. Mm-hmm. So, so it, you know, and, and, and part of meditation is getting into this understanding of body, breath, and mind. And that's usually every technique. I'm going to write this down. Body, body breath, a fantastic slogan. and mind. Breath, 
in mind. Right. Okay. So we always we always begin with some type of a, a okay, it can be a body scan where you kind of cr- you know visualize from head to toe all the different areas which of the body which may be you know requiring a little more attention. You may be feeling some discomfort or areas that that just have some stress. Uh, you know, just locked up in those areas. We all have you know postural challenges and ergonomic challenges that we face during the day, sitting, driving, you know, maybe we slept wrong. So just checking in with our bodies for a second and figuring out, you know, how we're feeling physically and then transitioning to taking some deep breaths and, and, and noticing what the effect that taking deep breaths has on, on our, on our, on how we're feeling. That's powerful. It is because, Mm -hmm. you know, we may notice that our minds slow down a little bit when we focus in on our breathing and we may notice that our heart rate actually slows down a bit Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of really impactful immediate benefits that, that can be achieved just by doing these really simple breathing techniques. Um, and, and doing them day to day helps, helps us acquire that toolkit, you know, that promotes greater resilience, that prevents, you know, anxiety and depression and helps us deal with anxiety and depression and other types of mood states when they do set in. You know, a lot of people do get depressed during the holiday season. And, uh, Absolutely. you know, so that, that's something that, that's something that we really ought to, uh, be mindful of. <laughs> <laughs> and we I'm touched sold. on that in a prior podcast right. series because we do acknowledge that not everyone necessarily goes through the holidays in a joyful state. It's true. So, so true. if this is comfortable for you to answer can you give us an idea do you do this is I this do. a daily practice for you and what, oh absolutely and how do you do it uh, okay so you know again i try not to beat myself up if i miss a day <laughs> here or there but i try and be as consistent as possible and, you know that's another really important point um when it comes to integrative medicine a mainstay of integrative medicine is encouraging our providers our nurses and our doctors mm-hmm. to actually embody those health practices that we're looking to instill in our patients. Absolutely. So, so we really try and walk the walk in that regard. Um, and, and so, yes, I do, um, you know, not just meditation, but I try and eat healthy and mm-hmm. I try and sleep well and all of those other things. Um, but I do, I do meditate. And, you know, I find that oftentimes I, I enjoy a meditation that is more creative visualization type of meditation. So, you know, one technique that I, I really enjoy is these different images. They're like, it's like a, it's like a National Geographic slideshow where, okay. you know, these beautiful picturesque scenes are depicted um, on a screen. And then you close your eyes after staring at that image for some time. You, you close your eyes and you visualize that same image in your mind. And that's a really nice kind of, you know, introductory, introduction to meditation type of technique that a lot of people really enjoy. I like that. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, now I'll share my slides with you sometime. Uh, by all means, please. <laughs> but how is that any different than, uh, I guess, daydreaming or, or, or getting lost in your thought? You know, um, the, the difference is that you're not lost. You see, it, it's a That's very a willful. Answer. It's a very willful practice, you're right? Present. So you're, you're present. present. Yeah. You're present. You're present. You're, you're, you know, daydreaming is good. We all do it to a certain degree, and and you know, there's that, that that's that's important and encouraged because it helps our imagination, creativity. That's when that's when wonderful insights come, you know, come to us. So it's not that daydreaming is bad. It's just that meditation helps those creative processes, 
And it's a, it's, a, it's a structured tool. I mean, you know, they've looked at the brain changes, the, the changes that actually happen in gray and white matter with consistent meditation. Mm-hmm. They've, looked at, they've looked at the impact on, on uh, resilience um, in medical students who have suffered from depression and anxiety. So, you know, there's a lot of really great research that looks at what exactly is happening in the brain with people who meditate regularly. So this is real, this is real medicine here. Wow, that seems like, uh, just like any other practice, consistency seems to be a very important part of this. Now, we, as we discussed, we know we're, our audience are, you know, parents, you know, and kids. Minds are running around the place. You said it's going to be good to set a specific time, but what if that's kind of hard? How, how, what techniques or what advice would you give the parents that are trying to set aside that time? And is duration a factor? Should it be a minimum amount of time for meditation? You know, the, the, key, the key is to make it fun. You know, um, and, and, and actually in many traditions, like for example, in the yoga tradition in India, uh, meditation is taught to kids, but it's, it's taught to kids after the physical practice of yoga. So remember the body, breath, and then mind? That, that transition... Mat- is it a maturation thing? It is kind of a maturation thing. And you can even see, you know, I mean, if, you, if, you, if anyone who's done a yoga class, you know, there are, there's a playfulness to the, to the poses, you know, and it's supposed to be a joyful practice. So meditation, you know, we shouldn't really see it as some chore that we have to kind of sit down and here we go again with that <laughs> cushion, you know, but it's something that, it's something that, that if we make it fun then it ends up being fun. It's like, it's like when you're trying to get back into shape, you know, after being a couch potato for a while, the first time you exercise, the first couple times you exercise, it's, not fun. it's just not fun. Yeah. So you kind of have to go through that though, to get the real, you know, the inner bliss that every, you know, the ohm that you were mentioning <laughs> before. Well, that takes effort. That doesn't, you know, not, we shouldn't expect that every time we sit for meditation that we slip into this blissful oblivion and, and, and that's just, you know, every time that we meditate. That, that is actually holding unrealistic expectations mm, for our meditation practice. So, so the other, so f- when it comes to kids, A, level set the expectations, they're not going to, you know, they, they are going to be distracted and that's okay. So remember the non-judgmental part of meditation. Absolutely. So it's non-judgmental self-awareness. And even if they can just sit still for a few seconds, Hey, that's a good start. That's a victory. Right? That's all a our victory. parents are gonna <laughs> all our parents are gonna sign the kids up for this. Sit still for just celebrate, one minute. Celebrate the little steps. Um, and then to make it fun, you know. I mean you can you can see how in, in yoga, for example, there's the tree pose, the frog pose, the you know, all these all these happy fun baby. happy baby pose, right? It says so it all. It's a playful it's, there's a playfulness to it. So the first the first step is to make it fun. And you know, I remember when I was learning meditation uh, very early on. The creative visualization was a big part of it. So, so that exercise where you actually stare at a picture or some image, um, usually a, a peaceful or um, you know relaxing type of image, and then close your eyes and visualize that same image. Well, that's meditation. Those are the beginning steps of a meditation practice. And if you make it fun and you couple the physical and the the physical aspect of it with you know I, whether it, whether it be exercise or sports or even you know simple yoga yoga postures and then the breathing piece so if they just get that connection between body breath and mind that's a victory because all of a sudden you will learn how they will learn sort of intuitively how this type of practice actually helps them perform better in school they'll become they'll become they'll become more aware of 
what their breathing does depending on what their mind is doing. So all of these little revelations, you know, make a big difference. So I'm assuming you can translate it in different settings or am I incorrect? Meaning, do you have to be in your quiet space at home with some time or can you do this on a soccer field right before you're up or can you do this at work where the answer is both you know mm-hmm. and and one of the keys here is not to allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good and and you know we have this idea oh i love that right? wait wait wait, wait. Listen, we're getting a lot of great wait, quotes wait, 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 from wait. this say okay? that again so don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good actually i've heard that advice from even just one mother to another, like parents saying, it's you true. know, with your perfectionism, sometimes just being a good mom is good enough or just being good is good enough. You know, exactly. awesome. it's so tr- we hold ourselves to such high standards, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes to, to the detriment of our health. And, you know, it's though it's that it's that it's those high expectations which set the stage for that judgmental attitude that we oftentimes reflect back on ourselves and say, you know what, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm-hmm. So I tell my I tell my clients all the time, turn the should into must and don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good so so when it comes to kids yeah you can meditate they can do visualizations and little they can they can draw on their skill set their tools when it comes to meditation creative visualization guided imagery breath work they can draw on those tools as they wish but but those tools are only as good and as sharp as their daily practice. So the answer is yes, they can use it day to day before an examination, you know, to center themselves and focus themselves before the day gets started to set the intention for the rest of the day or before, you know, a, you know, if they're involved in sports, you know, visualizing what they what they want to do. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan, so many fam- famous athletes have done this. They've used creative visualization and guided imagery in order to envision what they want to have happen on the playing field or on the basketball court or wherever. And it really helps. And you see athletes do this all the time, really engaging the power of the mind to enhance their athletic performance. And so we just do the same thing in the healthcare setting. You know, we engage the power of the mind to enhance the healing capacity of the body. So a lot of New Year's resolutions typically center around health and the benefits of that. So how do we tie this into New Year's resolution that people may have in respect to health? You know, you know I think goal setting is a real art form. Um, you know, we, we, I, we hear oftentimes an arbitrary number that somebody has come up with in terms of this is how much weight I have to lose or this is how much sleep I have to get every night or... And, you know, again, that that goal setting is an art because oftentimes just setting the goal that high or too high for yourself is the mind's way of sabotaging you right out of the gate. Wow. So, so yeah. I never, even thought, I never even thought about it like that. It, you know, makes sense. Yeah, it ta- does make sense. Like we, you. we talk about SMART goals. SMART goals are, are specific. They're measurable. They're achievable. There's a reasonable time frame, you know, during which they're achieved. So, you know, goal setting in, in and of itself is an art form. And, you know, when we hear people say, I want to lose this much weight or, you know, I want to, you know, X, X amount of, you know, uh, exercise during the week, et cetera, et cetera. It's good to have those in mind, but it's also really important to be guided by a expert on goal setting. Because oftentimes when people come in and say, you know, I want to lose this much weight, I say, well, you know, weight is a measure of everything, including bone density, muscle tone, adipose tissue, extra and intracellular body water. And really what we're, the weight that we really want to lose 
is excess body fat. That's the dangerous weight. That's really what we're targeting here. Um, but and so and so and so just that subtle nuance. You know, it's not necessarily that you want to lose weight. It's that you want to be happier, healthier, more productive he- person. And perhaps not losing weight, but losing excess body fat is the more appropriate goal, which gets us into, you know, body composition analysis and saying, look, you know, when you when you start some of these health practices, you may not lose weight. So the scale may actually say the same thing, but you're gaining muscle and you're losing fat. So that's still a win. You may be losing inches, but the scale says that you weigh the same. And that's still a ste- these are still steps in the positive direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, oftentimes goal setting is really important. And when it comes to a meditation practice, I think that, you know, having a goal of a daily consistent practice is a great starting point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of numbers that have been thrown out as to, you know, what's the, what's the l- least dose of meditation I need in order <laughs> to experience the health benefits. Um, and that's a, that's a subject that's, you know, debated very vigorously in this, in the, in the research area. But, but, you know, really, I think, I think 15 minutes is a great goal to aspire to. If you can set out 15 minutes a day of quiet breathing, being alone with your thoughts and non-judgmental awareness, that's going to be a home run for you. Um, and, and again, you know, you may need to try different types of techniques. There's a lot of apps online, you know, there's, there's different resources that you can access in order to enhance your meditation practice. And it may take you a few different tries. Um, just like if you're, if you, when you go to a health club or any gym and you're a new member there, you may need to try a couple of different classes before you find that, you know, you really like Zumba or spinning or something like that. So, you know, um, setting a daily, setting a daily goal is really important. Um, and then having a general, a general time goal. Um, and, and oftentimes one of the best ways to stick with a practice is to put it on, uh, put it on your calendar. We that put, works for oh me. Yes, on it, the, for the cell phones it's, and stuff, yes. It's so important because you see, I mean, we, we use these we tools. Honor it so we honor much. it so much. We, we yeah. honor our appointments. We're there. We do. We do. And so actually putting, putting exercise, putting mindfulness meditation in our calendar as a regularly occurring thing, you, when you see it, you're, you're reluctant to put anything in that space or take anything, you know, from that space, especially when you're enjoying the practice. So, you know, set a daily goal, find a practice that you enjoy. And, um, and the other thing is, you know, use the buddy system. You know, all these positive health behaviors that we talk about in integrative medicine, we don't apply them in a vacuum. We don't apply them in the context of, uh, uh, you know, we, we apply them in the context of a family, in the context of a home, in the context of a really busy daily life, daily routine. So, so if, we can, if we can get other family members on board with some of these positive health behaviors, it's going to be that much easier to apply in the context of, of, a, of, a, of a daily routine in, at home, you know, with your family. So, and it'll keep people on track with their New Year's resolution. They're exactly. Use the buddy system. Some. Exactly. And that's a great segue. So, I, personal question then. Uh, I have a son, recently 13. He's beginning to be rather stressed out, whether it's be junior high school or uh, projects. He doesn't really enjoy projects with, with, with other kids. It's just, he, he, he likes to be in control. So I started to institute, actually, believe it or not, a meditation routine with him. Ten minutes on Sundays when he comes home. Nice. Let's sit. Let's let's you know sit in my bed. We do the you know. The challenge is not setting the routine up. The challenge is not you know pr- doing the practice, but it's staying in the moment, as you said, not letting your mind wander. Both he and I have a problem with staying in the moment. What advice or what techniques or what? How do we? How would you best tell us to 
sticking in the moment. You know, um, I, I oftentimes describe the mind like a monkey. It's like, it's <laughs> exactly. Like, it's a monkey mind. It's going to be jumping from one branch to another like a monkey jumping from, you know, it, it's going to be jumping from one thought to another like a monkey jumping yes. from branch to branch. So and, how do you quiet the mind? Well, you know, to be honest, if you forcibly try to quiet the mind, it's going to fight back. It's going to get even more agitated. You know, I, if, you, I, if you forcibly yes, subdue yes. that monkey mind, it's going to it's going to get even more frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. So the, you, you kind of want to be the Jane Goodall of your monkey mind. You know, and you kind of want to hang back and say, okay. Just you let know, it happen. Just let it happen. You know, and, and that's the other thing. This concept that we're trying to we're trying to erase the mind like it's some kind of etching sketch that is a misconception with meditation. That might be like one of the advanced techniques, but we have to work our way to that. You know, you wouldn't ask anybody who's just starting an exercise routine to go run a marathon. You need to work your way up to that. So that 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 mental quiet, that sort of inner bliss and contentment, it it's a practice that needs to be developed over time. That's a that's a more advanced stage. So actually just watching where the monkey mind goes is a great first step. And so you're actually allowing your mind to go where it, it's going, go wherever it will, but you're, 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 making, you're being aware of it. Isn't that the unique feature of this mindful meditation? Unlike traditional meditation for say, we're not trying to quiet to get to like an alt alternate state of being. You actually want to stay present. Correct. Just like you're saying, and go That's with right. what's happening and just no judgment and be aware of what you're picking up. You're absolutely right. I mean, when I'm guiding meditations, I remind, I remind you know, our participants all the time, we're not trying to change or fix anything here. You know, there's nothing broken here. We're just gaining increased insight and awareness mm -hmm. into the tendencies of our physical, mental, and emotional selves. That's really, so, so oftentimes, again, when it comes to level setting expectations with your son, you know, just let, tell him, tell, let him know that it's okay if his mind wanders. It's gonna, and you know, Sunday, Sunday's when it, you know, that's like, exactly. that's like, that's like game time for, you know, preparing mm -hmm. for Monday and all this. So, so um, I would say a more frequent practice is, is, is probably, you know, a good idea. And then in addition to that, you know, just level set those expectations. Let him know that it's okay if the mind wanders, you know? We're, we're not looking for, you know, we don't, we don't need him to levitate just yet, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some sustained effort to get to the point where, you know, he really, he, we really can kind of, you know, clear our minds on, in, a, in a moment. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an ideal that we aspire to. But it's certainly something also that can create a lot of frustrations yes. if that's what we expect right at the outset. So you've given us a lot of things to meditate and think I am on, sold. right? A lot of grateful tips. Absolutely sold. One thing I want to learn: what happens when a patient? Are these patients coming to you? Right? They come to you in your office setting, like a doctor. You're diagnosing a problem, and then you give your recommendations. Arrive. Can you take us through like an example of a common situation? What they come in for, and what you suggest? Sure. You know, I mean, we use we use the word client oftentimes in pl in place of patient because when you're practicing a preventive wellness model, we want people to come in when they're feeling relatively good. Okay. You know, that's so that, a good point. First so that, of all, that's 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 the, what's one thing, and the other thing is if they are dealing with any chronic health conditions, and and you know, let's say they have chronic pain or migraines or, you know, I mean, met any kind of metabolic, um, you know, concerns, we. We let them, we ask them what their goals are, what's most important to them. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, 
we can't meditate for anyone. We can't right. eat for anyone. We can't exercise for anyone else. All of those things are sort of our responsibilities. So, so we need that level of engagement, and and that has to. So the goals, the initial goals, have to come from from the uh, from our clients. And so our clients will come in and say, well, you know what? Um, they may say sometimes, you know, I want to lose weight, and that that's a perfectly reasonable goal. But then we we kind of manage those goals into more measurable, incremental, and achievable kind so of. So you steps function like what you mentioned as being the expert that actually helps with this goal setting. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we refine our, we refine clients goals all the time. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, the most convincing word in the English language is because our brains are kind of geared towards looking for the why when it comes to behavior change. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, so we are part, we are part problem solvers, part, you know, educators and part cheerleaders. You know, we, 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 we want to motivate our clients to, to, to continue to sustain these practices over time. Uh, because, of course, you know, you can meditate for a week and feel really good, but it's not going to do you a whole lot of good long term if you stop. Same thing with exercise and nutrition. So the goal for all of this is 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 to make it part of lifestyle. It's what we call lifestyle medicine, you know, or behavioral medicine. Is it when it becomes second nature, when meditation becomes like brushing our teeth, then then we've won. Then we're is really that when you discharge them out of your practice? Meaning, we how love free to graduate. <laughs> we love to graduate. <laughs> how frequent do they come? How long do you keep them for? So it really depends, you know. Okay. Um, and and because if I, I sign up for weight loss, we'll be here. We have some highly motivated, next, engaged. Next clients. New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have we have some. We're, we're we're fortunate to have some really motivated and and engaged clients. And this, you know, usually people who seek us out are those who. Who who are on the ball? I mean, they've 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 kind of started the process already on their own, and oftentimes, you know, oftentimes all we're doing is really validating those things that they're already doing well, and just offering some subtle techniques on how to creatively weave those you know practices and behaviors into their daily and weekly routines. Um, so you know. It, it spans. We, we love to graduate our clients and say, you know what, you're good. Come, you know where we live. Come back to us when you need <laughs> us. You know, we, we love that. Um, and 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 sometimes it takes a little longer than that. Um, but that's okay. You know, um, our our goal is just to you know is to be is to be patient and compassionate and 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 you know consistent examples. Um, so so that's really those are those are sort of the mainstays of our integrative platform. So I wish I had you as a coach. What is your gonna, New Year's resolution? <laughs> My, what would yours be, and who's your coach? <laughs> you know, I've 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 had very good teachers. Um, you know, I mean, um, I I just got back from uh, the Society for Integrative Oncology. Okay. Where in Chicago, you know, uh, over thirty three countries represented five hundred people, and and they were all discussing the latest and greatest science on how to use these integrative methods when it comes to you know treating symptoms during cancer treatment. And then also, um, you know, empowering people to regain control of their health after in the survivorship period. Absolutely. Um, so you know, I mean, I've had I've had fantastic you know friends and mentors who have guided me along, and you know, it, it's 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 definitely a growing movement. I mean, oftentimes this this the reason we have an integrative program at, at Memorial is yes, you know, leadership and and the vision that that we have here. But in addition to that, it's because our community has spoken. You know, our our clients, our our members of our community are are so keen and engaged and want to be empowered with these with these with these techniques that are so simple, so low cost, and if we can get them to stick, it's going to be a home run for everybody. Wow. 
So what resources are out there? How can we find you or start this? Maybe the New Year's resolution is to practice more mindful meditation. If that, if that's, I mean, that's a great, that's a great, you know, there's a lot of apps out there, you know, um, there's uh, everything from Calm to Headspace, um, you know, there's another one that I learned about recently called OMG, I Can Meditate. Um, so, you know, the, and you may need to try one, or one, you may need to try, you know, different, different, um, different techniques before you, before you land on one um, that, that, that works for you. We have a wonderful team of mind-body experts. You know, we've got people who teach therapeutic yoga. We've got health psychologists who, who are also trained in different, a very broad range of, of, of mindfulness and meditation techniques um, that, that are, you know, that we use to empower our patients to help manage symptoms and, and also, you know, just um, and maintain wellness if they're feeling pretty well. Um, so, so, you know, uh, and then of course, you know, as a fallback, if, if anyone who really wants a comprehensive individualized treatment plan can come into our clinic and just, you know, call our, call our integrative medicine clinic and schedule a visit. So we take everybody, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's, it's not just people who have chronic pain or just people who are trying to lose weight or, you know, cancer survivors, but it's, it's all of the above. Um, and, and, and it's been a really wonderful experience to be able to, you know, to be able to start this, um, this, this wonderful experiment in, in better health at Memorial. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, Dr. Dr. Mehta, Mehta, you're so far ahead of the curve. Absolutely. And I wish Thank this you. for every hospital system across the country well, to adopt that. and to have because it's clearly serving so many. Well, so. thanks for the invitation. Yes, you've given yeah. us a lot of uh, great information. So final question. Sure. I'm sure the audience would love to know. Um, you've got a very zen-like or about you. you. I mean, I thought my voice is smooth and buttery, but no, <laughs> I'm giving me a run for my money. But it's very, the base is real, okay? <laughs> but uh, do you levitate, and, and how far off the ground do you levitate? I, I don't, I don't levitate. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty dense. Uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's still a part of my practice, you know? Um, I'm still getting there. I'm, you know, we're, 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 all, we're, all, we're all on our respective, you know, path. It really, it, you know, and, that, and that's the other thing is, you know, part of non-judgmental awareness is just being happy where you are on that path. Um, and that's, that a, a, that's a great start. Fantastic, fantastic answer. Dr. Hunter, thank you so much for your, My pleasure. For your time. I appreciate the invite. Everyone have a great success happy with your holidays. resolutions. And thank happy you for New joining Year. us for the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Share with others. Happy holidays. And visit the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital Facebook page.